portion of God's Word that we'll be focusing our attention on this evening comes from Jeremiah chapter 23. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds who tend my people. Because you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done, declares the Lord. I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and will bring them back to their pasture, where they will be fruitful and increase in number. I will place shepherds over them who will tend them, and they will no longer be afraid or terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called. The Lord, our righteousness. This is the word of our God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So this is the the last in a three-week series based off of that hymn that we sung at the beginning of our service, Behold, a Branch is Growing. Just a quick review, the first week we looked at the prophecy from Isaiah that talks about a branch, and our focus that week was that this branch, which would spring up from a stump, from the stump of Jesse, would bear fruit again, would be new life for this tree of Jesse, a descendant of David, a descendant of King David and his father Jesse would spring up and bear new fruit again. Last week, a bit of an obscure section of scripture that you probably don't hear all that often, a very vivid prophecy, a vision that the prophet Zechariah saw, where he's basically in the courtroom of God, and we learned that this branch would intercede for us in God's courtroom, would be our defense attorney, our advocate, and would forgive us all our sins. Today, we're kind of back where we started with another picture of the stump of Jesse, this kingdom of David that had been chopped down. And once again, we see this branch. But now, instead of focusing on the fruit that would be born, today we are focusing on the fact that this branch is a king. Now, I haven't been your pastor for all that long, but we've focused on the theme of Christ the King before. And got to be careful, I guess, because as a pastor, when you're preaching on the theme of Christ the King, it's very easy to get into a rut. And maybe it goes something like this. I know we've talked about this before. We Americans don't like kings. King equals bad. Democratic Republic equals good. And so there's a little baggage that comes along with our American context that we often will deal with in in a sermon discussing Christ the King. But as I was getting ready to to share God's word with you tonight, had an interesting thought on that line of thinking. I I understand where it comes from, and I understand why I've talked about it with you before. 
but I'm not as convinced that Americans are as against the idea of a king as maybe I once was. And let's just use recent uh, events. So in our government at the state level and the federal level, in times of emergency, we grant concentrated power to a single individual. That's a part of how our government works. And all you have to do is listen to the debate uh, amongst citizens in our nation as to whether or not the governor was making good use of executive authority or whether or not the president was using executive authority wisely. It's not to, to say whether a governor or a president was right or wrong, but the debate is always over whether or not it's actually an emergency. I don't know too many people who think that emergency powers are a bad idea on their own. The debate takes place about the seriousness of the events. What's happening? Do we agree that it's, that it's as bad as, as the government does? Is this a valid use of emergency power? And yet in our land, if the emergency is legitimate, if people agree that the consequences are dire, that something needs to be done in a leader, be it on the state or federal level, doesn't really matter. A leader steps up and says, here's a solution to rescue you and to rule for a time. We're okay with that. There are times when it's necessary. And that's why it's in our constitutions at both the state and federal level. Submission to a king is hard. It takes a certain level of humility to truly submit to a king because the rule of a true king is totalitarian and authoritative. To submit to a king is for the life of that king. There's no elections, it's as long as he lives. So what happens if the king lives forever? (laughs) That's an entirely different kind of submission, isn't it? If his dominion is an everlasting dominion and a kingdom that will never end, when you submit to this king, when you place yourself under his authority, it's forever. And that's a big deal. In, In Jeremiah 23, there is a state of emergency There's bad shepherds tending the people. Bad kings and false prophets all over the place. Saying the opposite, defending the opposite, doing exactly the opposite of what God says. And it was a real danger for the people. And God steps in And after proclaiming woe to the bad shepherds and promising to punish them for the evil that they had caused, what does God say? I'm taking over. I'm in charge. Listen again. I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and will bring them back to their pasture where they will be fruitful and increase in number. 
<clears throat> this section of Jeremiah might require a little context, but the words are simple. The message is very plain. God's people knew who their God was. They knew that he was the one who provided for their every need. They knew that he was the God who had promised to deliver them from all their enemies. He's the one who gave them this land in which they live when their ancestors came up out of Egypt. He was the one who had promised to send a descendant of King David who would rule forever, who would free them from all their sin. And yet when the kings and the prophets started saying something else that was a little more attractive to their sinful flesh, they ignored what God said. And they clung to the words of the false prophets. It's good for us to hear the warning in this text. To listen to what God says. Because the world is filled with bad shepherds. The world is filled with leaders and preachers who say what the sinful flesh likes to hear, who lead where the sinful flesh wants to go, who defend the things that the sinful flesh wants to defend. But they don't say what God says. They don't defend what God defends. How would you know? How would you know if you're following a bad shepherd or not? How would you know if you're listening to good shepherds or bad shepherds, following good shepherds or following bad ones? Well, you'd need to know the word, wouldn't you? I think that's one of the subtle warnings in this text. Know the word. Know what God says. It's the only way you can recognize a bad shepherd. And it's an important warning because if you don't know the word, then you could end up following a bad shepherd. Or I suppose you could start saying things that God doesn't say, defending things that God doesn't defend. You yourself could become a bad shepherd. And you heard what God promises for bad shepherds. Whoa. Punishment. But then God does something that just is interesting. To the people who had been following bad shepherds, who would be sent into exile in Babylon, that was done by this point of Jeremiah's prophecy, that was a done deal. It was happening. They were going to end up in, in Babylon. But God promises that he's going to shepherd them himself. And he promises that he's going to raise up this branch from David's kingdom. This king who's going to be really good at his job. Listen again. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord our righteousness. So I guess the question really is, is it a state of emergency, yes or no? That's the question. Because this king is the king of an eternal kingdom. His kingdom will never end. 
you submit to him and you will be under him forever. The sinful heart doesn't want to admit that it's actually in a state of emergency. The sinful heart, the sinful flesh inside of you, inside of me, wants to know it's not really that bad. I, I got this. I can handle this. And I don't want to lose my authority. I, I got this. But that's just not true. We, we don't got this. It, it is an emergency. It's an absolute emergency. Our sinful flesh is hostile to God. It wants nothing to do with God. It wants nothing to do with his will. It wants nothing to do with his word. It wants to run after bad shepherds who sound good and pleasing to that sinful flesh inside of us. And this is why we need this king. This good king who will rule and reign wisely, who will do what is just and right in the land. This king did not come and then gather us up as a big army and send us off to battle while he sat back in the palace. No, he went to battle alone. All alone. He went to do battle against sin and against Satan and, yeah, even against death. All by himself. He laid down on the battlefield of the cross and was lifted up. He suffered for our sin because the emergency was that serious. We were headed straight to hell. And so he came and he fought and he won. Didn't look the way most battles look. Looked like he lost. But he didn't lose. His innocent life was accepted as payment for the world's sin so that we could be in God's kingdom, ruled by the perfect king. You see, this branch, this king, He's a king who rescues, and he's a king who rules. And it's exactly what we need. It's the best news in the world. Because Jesus has won. The victory's won. He didn't stay dead. He's alive, and he will reign forever and ever and ever. He's exactly the king we need. This branch coming up from this kingdom that had been chopped down, the perfect king, your king, my king.